everyone. Welcome back to the I Don't Know Running podcast, where we share our experiences that make running fun and sometimes not so fun. It feels like this has been forever since I've done this. That's why I forgot. And my name is Lewis. I'm a self-admitted lazy ultra runner. And I'm Mitch. I'm a fat runner. Um, As it's the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah. And I plan on eating more today because we have a lot of leftovers. I have a second Thanksgiving today at my mom's. But I did get off Black Friday special and um, I uh, spent some of those calories this morning. Ah, that, that was that was my Black Friday um, special. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not going to go shopping. I had a Black Friday special yesterday. Um, two things: number one, talking about all this Thanksgiving eating and all that, and then the Black Friday special yesterday that I got was picking up Zoom for our podcast, <laughs> and uh, we did that because we have a, a guest that's going to be joining us via Zoom, and what better way to lead into it than the Thanksgiving, all the, the food we ate. Uh, but we have a nutritionist joining us. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Let's welcome in Christy Middleton to the podcast. She is an ultra runner and uh, a nutritional specialist. Is that, is that right? Is that, I think, do I have I that think right? a nutritionist was good Nutritionist. Yep. Okay. Certified. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just welcome Christy and we'll let her, uh, explain what that is. Welcome Christy to the podcast. Thanks. So yeah, why, why don't you clear that up for me? Like what it is exactly that uh, I tried to say there. <laughs> okay. So I'm a functional nutritionist and I specialize in sports nutrition and root cause nutrition. So root cause, not just race day. Lewis wants to figure out that's a nice explanation because I didn't, I wouldn't have even got that. Right. So it's more than the race day stuff. This is a life diet change. Absolutely. Yes. Because race day and the athletic side of nutrition is really an optimization and refinement. And if your base is not operating well, then the refinement isn't going to make any difference. So I can't eat double quarter pounder with cheese meals all leading up to race day. And as long as I change race day, everything will be perfect. No? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not going to go very well. How about how about his 100 miler that he did with nothing but uh, watermelon and tailwind? Was that a good race plan, <laughs> you think? Or well, we could, we, well, we could get into that. We'll get into that later? <laughs> later. Okay. Uh but let's, you know, I did mention that Christy is an ultra marathoner or uh, an ultra runner, uh, which is great for this show. She has a, you know, she's ran and, and that's, that's wonderful. And there's a tie to all this, but let's start with what got you into, uh, running and or ultra running. Uh, let's just go back to what got you into running. That's a good question. Uh, so actually it's because I wanted to race on my bike. Oh. And, and so the way to do that was to do triathlon. Don't, don't ask me, don't ask me or why, uh, that's the only way that I thought I could do that. So in order to do triathlon, I had to learn how to run and I literally couldn't run a block cause I had asthma as a kid, you know, and I was really sick and things. And so I had to work up from zero to be able to do a 10 K for this one race I wanted to do. And then I kind of caught the bug because I was like, well, I did a 10K. Could I do a half marathon? 
and I found a training plan and I'm like, the plan says I can do it. So I followed the plan, got to the half. And I'm, I'm sure it's a typical story because then you realize the rest of the racers are continuing for another half and they're doing a marathon. And I was like, well, if they can do it, why can't I? And then I just kind of kept going from there. So you, so you got into uh triathlon. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did you do the full distance Ironman distance then? Yeah, I did Ironman Kentucky in 2010, which was, oh, okay. it was 98 okay. degrees out. It was in August. It's the last year they did it in August uh, because we had the highest dropout rate in Ironman history that day because of the weather. So they changed it to October from then on out. I don't think that was the last year because I did it in 2012 in August. I think it was, really? I think, yeah, I think 12 was the you last. The, it was Kentucky one? Yeah. Or, Louisville. Yeah. Oh. Louisville, yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that was the last year. I, oh. I do remember 2010 because uh, I think somebody that we know from our local area did it, and he was saying the same thing that you just said. It was like the large. It was it was a bad day. But I mean, you're talking about Louisville in August. It's going to be hot. Period. Yeah. <laughs> that, just just so you, yeah, I, my race did not go great. Number one, I think I mentioned this before, but I basically went down from my. Uh, I ended up having two gears from mile about 35 on. I had second and 12th, just so you, just so you know. Um, and which meant when I got off the bike, I was completely torched. I like, I could not run, but you talk from a nutritional standpoint, I'm sure you would look at what I did leading into that. And you'd say, oh my goodness, no wonder you got <laughs> off the bike and couldn't do anything. <laughs> so how I am, I'm just curious on that. So you, how long before you started running and biking before you did a full Ironman then? Um, let's see. I started in 2005 and then I did the Ironman in 2010. So five okay. years. But did you do a marathon? You, you, you had to have done marathons and stuff like that before the Ironman then I'm assuming. Yeah. My first marathon was 2007, I think, or six, end of six, seven timeframe. So sure. it took me about a year and a half to get from the one block distance to the marathon distance. Isn't that funny? Year and a half. That's pretty quick. Yeah. 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 It's just funny how we overthink everything when we're talking about that stuff and what we're actually capable of doing. It's it's amazing. From one block and now you look back and you're like, if you get injured or something like that and you have you're supposed to start off slow. How often does Nicole have gone five miles on day one? Yeah. It's yeah, it takes a while for us to what especially I think part of it too though is when once you've accomplished, let's say like a marathon, and then you you dial it back for whatever reason, injury, break, whatever, I think mentally we're like, oh, I can I can go out and run eight miles, and so we just go out and run eight miles, whether we should or not. I think well, that's and then while we get into about mile six, and you're like, how far do I got to get back? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the difference it makes when you're trained for it and ready oh, for that yeah. versus coming off an injury or something. Yeah. So, yeah. You live in Colorado Springs. You weren't, were you living in Colorado at the time when you did that, that race or were you still, um, I think you're from out East somewhere. Uh, it seems like. Yeah. I'm from Maryland. And then I moved to Colorado three years ago. Okay. So I got the trail running bug and then yeah. exhausted all the trails on the East coast pretty much. And then I'm like, I got to get to Colorado. So I did this run through time marathon in Salida and that's when I fell in love and I was like, I got to get out here. So. <laughs> that's funny. That's why Laura moved out there too, I think. 
the trails. That's why we became best friends. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Well, let's you, jump into that. Sorry, did you have some? I was going to say, do you even run on the roads anymore, or not much? Um, only like a training run. If I do a, a four to ten miler or something like that, straight from the house, and don't want to drive somewhere, then I'll run on the. Roads. On the road. Gotcha. I won't race on roads anymore. So let's talk about the uh, the transition. You you did the, you you got into triathlon so that you could learn how to bike. Uh, I'm curious if you still bike, but then what made the leap to uh, the, you know, ultra distance? Um, so I, I do ride some. I just started gravel racing out here because it's a bigger thing in Colorado than it is back in Maryland. I stopped road riding. I did all. I did a couple of twenty four hour bike rides, um, as well. And uh, then I stopped road riding because it just seemed too dangerous. Too many people I knew were getting hit and killed, and so yeah. I kind of stuck to the trails from that point. Yeah, that's a common theme. I know when I trained for for the Ironman distance the one thing I did not like was the the road riding. I just, it's, it's just so not that. Yeah. It's just dangerous. Right. Because we're sharing the road with cars. I got, that, I got rid of my road bike. Cause I, I mean, nobody thinks you're supposed to be there. Yeah. So they, they buzz you, they buzz you worse than when you're running. I mean, we get buzzed mm-hmm. often running, but so you, so you dove into the world of trail running and ultra running. Yes. So what was your first ultra? I believe it was the Hat 50K in Maryland. One of my friends that I did triathlons with did this race every year, and he kind of encouraged me to do it. And I was like, all right, if I can run 26, I can run 31. Right. Yep. That's only five more miles. Yeah. Five and a half more miles. But boy, when you get to 26, you're like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) What was I thinking? Actually, my first one was, I take that back. That was supposed to be my first one, but I ended up breaking my ankle really bad. I had to have two surgeries. I took about 18 months off, two years while my ankle healed. My first one was in Costa Rica. It was in, um, I don't even remember what it was called. But it was such a crazy experience because I never run that far. I was in a country where they, they didn't speak English. The race directors, they, they, and this is bad because they don't know Spanish that well. And at the start, they did a countdown from 10 to 1 in Spanish. And I didn't know where they were. And I'm like, do I go? Do I go? When oh do I go? Goodness. And yeah, so that was actually my first 50K. I didn't even know what food they had because they, could, they couldn't speak. It was very. What, yeah. what made you pick that race? <laughs> I needed it to be epic in order for oh, me to, okay. to train. So I got a group on that was like an ultra adventure five day thing. And then had that set up for right after the 50 K. Oh, oh, that is cool. Was it, a, was it a fun race? It was, it okay. was, it was quite the experience. It took me a very long time well, <laughs> doing it. I was going to say, is a 50 K really usually fun? Uh, I mean, I mean, they're more fun than a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing it had a lot of elevation change. Yes. Yeah. And it was hot. It was. In oh a, yeah. March. Okay. Yeah. So you dove into ultra running, you moved out to Colorado Springs area. Uh, what started? So let's, let's, let's talk about what we're talking about here. What got you going down the road of focusing on diet and, and nutrition and, and what got you into that world other than the fact that you're, you're trying to run these ultras and we can get into those obstacles, but what got you turned on to going, 
All right. I, I want to focus on nutrition here and find out what's going on. Sure. Yeah. Good question. Um, so I was really sick as a kid and all through my teens and my early twenties, I was pretty sick and not headed in a great direction health-wise. And so I was told I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. And, and I basically was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm young. Like there, there's no reason I should be so ill. And so, um, I went to the library one day, which yes, it was a long time ago, but I went to the health section of the library, looked up the things that I was dealing with and diagnosed with and told that I couldn't do anything about and started reading. And, and in these books I found, I was like, wow, there is stuff I can do. Why isn't anybody telling, why are the doctors telling me there is stuff I can do? The only answer they're giving me is I have to take medication. Man. So that was before you got into endurance sports then? Really? It was when I was, I was biking, but I, yeah, before, so I was a little, I was active, but I was not into endurance sports. Yeah. Okay. So when you went into the, to, uh, when you were having all these issues as a, as a child and in your twenties, you would go in and say, Hey, what's, what's going on here? And literally there was never a talk of diet or, or anything like that. No. So like in the back of my mind, I always knew that there was a concept of root cause which basically means, yes, your body's exhibiting a bunch of symptoms that we're going to diagnose as a disease, but why? Why do I have these symptoms? How do I affect change so that I'm no longer having these symptoms? Because if we can get rid of the symptoms, we don't have the disease. Right. So you, so you took it upon yourself because obviously the medication's not doing what it should be. And the fact that you're just like adding things that you probably don't even need to your body. Yes. And the medication can be, can have side effects and long-term consequences and stuff. So one of the things, and I'll just give you an example. One of the things I struggled with was um, Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed when I was 17 and um, with a biopsy. So like confirmed tissue, Crohn's disease and they, they keep saying, we need to retest you because you have Crohn's. And every time they go in and test me, there's no evidence. They're like, you don't have Crohn's. So that's something that's not, you don't, you don't, you know, un, yeah. Western, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like you to don't, be it able just to disappear. heal yourself. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't heal itself. It's, I mean, um, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Right. It's in theory. That's in, but I went to root cause, fix root cause, and then we can eliminate the disease to the point that it's not detectable in my so body. So there's certain foods that cause it to flare up more, I'm assuming then. So you had to learn what you could eat to, to help with that. Yeah. Yes. One of the big things for me was gluten and eliminating that for a period of time, working on a lot of gut repair. So, um, having some dysbiosis, like bacterial imbalance. I don't know if you guys have heard of your microbiome. <laughs> I, into- I have probably heard of like 2% of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> so eat, That's so, my level of so, knowledge. So, on so eat yogurt is all I know about that. <laughs> Unless you're lactose or dairy. Oh my gosh. Issue. Yeah. Well, there's, it, it's, it's, it sounds so hard. Like in some, you know, like pro, coming from a lame man, like that yeah. does not watch his diet at all. Um, that's why I run. 
is, but then I feel crappy when I run because I'm not eating the right foods when, you know, pre-run. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you did this initially really just to improve your lifestyle in general, not for, not for sport. Or or your life happiness, really. Yeah. I mean, just feel good. Yes. Yes. And, and I had a lot of issues with depression too, that came with that, you know, so that, and that's all stuff that I've been able to eliminate as well. And, and yes, so then, so the sports nutrition side is, is because I had this foundation of nutrition now in realizing the power of nutrition and wanting to be able to help people with their own root cause. I have a master's from the University of Bridgeport in human nutrition. So I went out and got an education. Um, I've been through many coaching programs like health coaching to learn people's skills and how to help and come alongside somebody and guide them to change. Cause you you can't, it doesn't really work to be like, this is what you have to do. Cause obviously we all kind of know how we could improve our health, but why are we not choosing those foods? Why are we not saying no to the other foods? And, and so then I've just, I've, um, because I'm an ultra runner myself, that's how I got into sports nutrition. And, and honestly, sports nutrition, I don't know if I said this before, but it's kind of like, like I said, how it's, it's the, uh, the pinnacle, right? It's the, it's the total optimization of, of health. So I'm a nerd. I'm a science nerd. I love learning, uh, love reading the research. And it's a very unknown thing. Why can some people follow a ketogenic diet and go and do a hundred miler without eating or 50 miler? And then other people have, if they go ketogenic, their performance just totally drops and they can't maintain. That's the kind of stuff that I love digging into and trying to understand better and share. Yeah, you said something there, and I wanted to jump on it, but I don't remember what it was now. Um, yeah, I, I completely I lost it. the same it. thing. I was, like, sitting there thinking, <laughs> yes. well, my thing was just I was going to be a smartass and say, like, well, me picking on Lewis for not running for the last month, There's maybe there's a different approach than just giving him a bunch of crap about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, that part's yeah. interesting to me yeah. is to learn how to come alongside. It's not like you know, like you you're – you're an expert in nutrition, but just telling somebody, "Hey, stop eating the cake." You, <laughs> well, that's that <laughs> is know? that is what I wanted to jump that's to. That's just is, so interesting to me. You you said uh, it's one. We all know what we should be doing, but we're we're generally speaking not. Have you? I mean, is that part of what you do? Is uh, I don't want to say creating a meal plan, but uh, helping to guide somebody into a diet that is, uh, I don't want to say tastes good, but I mean that, that well, can, there's that truth can, in that because we're, we're yeah. we eat for pleasure. So the, it's gotta, there's gotta be. Yeah. Is, is that there. something, is that in, do you get what I'm asking? Is that something you do is you help people find ways that will make them want to eat these other foods and not just order Absolutely. a double cheeseburger? Yep. So kind of motivation to change or change facilitation. Like I I say, I am a nutrition educator and a change facilitator. So kind of the concepts. Yeah. yeah, So the the big concepts that I, principles that I work off of is that we need to have knowledge of of nutrition. Because if you don't know why, you're not going to have much motivation to do it. So the knowledge is a huge motivator. Um, And then we also need to have the skills. So if, if you don't know, um, 
like portion sizes or your own caloric needs or, you know, some of those detailed and in, in specific things like water, how to honor your hunger. Like the, all these things are, are skills mm. to learn food selection, um, chewing, things like that, right. That we, we have to actually implement. And then you need the accountability community. There's, there's different aspects that help people to make change because ultimately, yeah, it has to work for you. And what I eat is not necessarily what you're going to like. So it's an exploration um, of, of your unique needs. Like what, how, what is your, what do you need? What works for your lifestyle? What do you enjoy? And, and ultimately coming up with this, this plan or this recipe, I like to call it for health for you moving forward once you reach your goals. Yeah. Cause I think for me that I know I should eat better, but I don't, you know, my <laughs> wife, my wife tells me all the time. She's like, I, 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 I bought, all these fruits and vegetables and like clean, like, you know, they're, they're real foods, but that's not what I go to, you know? Uh, So Lewis, why not? (laughs) Well, uh, part of it is taste. Cake cake tastes really good. So I, this is one of our inside jokes too, is Lewis loves McDonald's cheeseburgers too. That's like a dessert. It is. So like, well, you, you don't eat cake necessarily, but you'll be like, yeah, you know it sounds good as a, a double cheeseburger, a double cheeseburger. Like, like, like my wife would get mad and I love my wife. She's not like this, like, I don't want to make her sound like this terrible person, but like we would go through the drive-thru because she's like, Hey, I want an ice cream cone from McDonald's. So let's swing through there. And I'm like, well, I'm, I want, I don't want an ice cream cone. I want a double cheeseburger. <laughs> like what's the difference? Right. But, but to get to your question, it's a taste thing. That's why I I would prefer to have something I don't know that's or or like fruit sometimes doesn't it doesn't fill me up or it doesn't last like that. I don't want to sit and eat all day. That's part of you know, and some of that those calories don't last as long either. And that's probably good. Yeah. And as an athlete who's working out a lot, you have a high caloric demand. So yes, one of the things that I find my clients will be doing is they'll switch to a whole foods diet and then eat about the same amount of food as they were originally eating in processed food. And now they're only eating like 30% of the calories. And they're like, this doesn't work. I'm hungry all the time. Yes, that's true. Like, so you're not, we're not, we still need, there's still room in the diet, especially for an athlete and someone who's burning a lot of calories for other foods that are not necessarily whole foods. We need calor- calorically dense foods to come alongside, but we need all of the benefits of the unprocessed whole foods as well. So how do, how do you, so like, take me for example, what, what would be your approach? I say, Hey, Christy, you know what? I love McDonald's and, and don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't eat McDonald's every day. I've scaled that way back. However, if you go back like five, 10 years, I like McDonald's because it tastes good to me and Even it fills me up. That's yeah, the worst it, thing. I love it, McDonald's once in a while, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I eat yeah, that? Yeah, especially more recently. But <laughs> but if somebody comes to you and they say that, like, wh- what's your approach? Like, obviously you're like, well, you need to quit eating McDonald's. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, how, how, so what do you do? What do you, what do you, how do you come alongside that person and, and steer them in the right direction? So there's, there's a couple of things with that. And one Mitch kind of said, which is like, yeah, you like the taste, but it upsets your stomach sometimes. So I can work with a client to shift their perspective. So 
it's not the instant gratification of the McDonald's that we're looking at. We have to zoom out a little bit and look at the whole picture. Well, that McDonald's also causes pain later when your stomach hurts. And then on your run, we can start. This is where it takes. The, we're, now we're two months into the program. Oh, man. So then Ooh. on the run, let's pay attention to how does your body feel after you've had the McDonald's? How's that workout versus if you had, I don't know, a bowl of oatmeal or something like that, then how how does that run feel? So we have to take that if we look at it through only the lens of, of, in, of taste, sure. Yeah. Eat McDonald's. Right. But then it, you, you got to zoom it out and look at the whole picture of what that McDonald's does for you. And, you know, yeah, all you. the, all the things that go with it with not feeling good. And for me, I notice it gets worse as I get older. Like I, mm-hmm. I used to have the iron gut and now it's like, Oh my gosh, it seems like everything gives me a stomach ache. I don't even want to eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I usually, I have to do that about once, at least every couple of weeks, I got to remind myself why I don't eat McDonald's. It's like, oh, that tastes so good. And then later I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a moron. I need, yeah. to, I need to remember that like further out than two weeks. And, yeah. and sometimes like sticky notes and things like that can work to remind yourself of that when you're trying to make change because it takes a long time. What is, I was just going to say, what does that change look like? You know, let's take somebody... You know, again, use me for example. Who I I I do eat a lot of processed type foods. What am I looking at on a return? So we start today, and you say, "All right, we're going to clean you up, Lewis, and we're going to help your runs. You're going to feel better uh, just generally in life, and you're going to feel better on your runs." What am I looking at? Am I looking at? Six months down the road, am I looking at, you know what, in two weeks, you're already going to notice something. What What am I looking at there? It really depends on the client. Okay. It depends on you. If if you're, if if we talk about the McDonald's, you know, and, and you understand more about it, um, another thing I would add is like our taste buds change. So when we're eating a lot of processed and refined foods and sweet foods, then yeah, apples don't taste good because your taste buds want cake. They want something sweeter or more savory or with a different fat profile. So your taste buds have adapted to your diet. And so that's another aspect as well as like, yes, there'll be a little bit of discomfort, if you will, because it's not going to be the best tasting thing, but that apple will taste a whole lot better in six months than it does right now. If we keep working towards that. My, my wife's on a kick. I think she has eaten an apple every day for a year. So before she even eats her meal at night for dinner, unless we go out or something like that. And even then, like I was going to say, I think I remember a time where we went out, she had to have her apple first or something, or we went somewhere. She went, we were at Brian and Ashley's and she she walked in with a baggie with her apple already cut up and and she was eating her apple. And it's like, oh my gosh, I tease her about it, but it's not a bad thing. And how is it working for her? It, it's good, except for we both have a sweet tooth. We have sweets in the house all the time. So after the apple and after dinner, there might be a cookie involved or three. <laughs> it, it It is an interesting thing you bring up with the taste buds. Are, uh, and I know everybody is different, but it, it's interesting to hear you say, well, your, your taste buds have adapted to your diet. Right. Uh, so I'm eating McDonald's. I want McDonald's. My taste buds want McDonald's. But if I switch that and I say, you know what? I'm buckling down and I am eating 
whatever's healthy, you know, fruits and vegetables and real foods and stuff like that. You're what you're saying is, and I, I'm not, I'm not putting this as a staple. This is absolutely going to happen. But by and large, a lot of times your taste buds will adapt and change to desire and want those things that we have now changed our diet to. Is that yes. fair to say? Yeah. In your brain chemistry, right? You're you're thinking about it differently. So some of those thoughts will shift too. So in turn, then when you, as a as an athlete and somebody who's trying to do whatever type of a run, whether that's a 5K or a 50K, your your body is going to benefit from that change. Absolutely. So, so you, one of oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go yeah, go ahead. Well, a couple of big things with with running, right? When when you go out for a run, there's a couple we need to. It causes a lot of inflammation in the body and a lot of oxidative stress. And so our nutrition is a a big part of how we, our body adapts to inflammation and responds to inflammation and oxidative stress is through nutrition. We need antioxidants and in order to fight oxidative stress and we need anti-inflammatory compounds and processes that work really well in our body to, to lower that inflammation after we Run. What it, what it, I'm just curious. I am again clueless to a lot of this. What does the oxidated stress do to me? Um, eventually. Oh, uh, so it causes a lot of damage. Okay. So it causes it causes more inflammation. Um, it's actually gotcha. something that we can measure in the body. So I oh. I do testing. Um, I have urine, stool, saliva, and blood testing that I can order. And we can actually see exactly where is your oxidative stress level. And one of the ways that's measured is through DNA damage. And if that sounds familiar, it does because DNA damage, or it is, DNA damage is is what causes cancer, eventually is cancer. So ah. um, it when oxidative stress really builds up in the body, we can start to actually measure a component of DNA when it's damaged and, and see that on a scale. So we can see how far you are down that road. And then we can kind of uh, work on oxidative stress and anti-inflammatory things to help bring it down those levels down in the body. So then there's ultimately disease results, right? Too much oxidative stress is going to result in disease. For me, it comes out as Crohn's disease and depression. Like that's my Uh, predisposition when my body is not in a state of homeostasis. Ah, Hmm. So, and what you're saying is you, you can jump on top of this and, um, dial that back. Yes. And there are certain foods that you can eat that are heavy anti-inflammatory. Like I've heard like blueberries and, you know, cranberries, stuff like that. That's, that's good for Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And healthy fats. So like your, your salmon, your avocado, your flax oil, the, the healthy fats versus the McDonald's fats are are going to be that balance to offset inflammation. So McDonald's, um, the, the foods that are really high in saturated fat or trans fat, those are very inflammatory. Mm. Compared to my stomach ache that yeah. I get right away. Yes, <laughs> and, exactly. and, and let's compare that to a cheeseburger that I make at home. Big difference still. Yes. Um, somewhat. So it, it all depends. I don't know exactly, but if you have rancid oils, then then those are more inflammatory. If you're making a cheeseburger at home, if you buy bought a grass fed cheeseburger, it's gonna have more omega three fats than a non grass fed burger. 
So if you buy the cheapest meat that you can find, it's going to be higher in saturated mm. fat, which is the inflammatory side and less high in the omega-3s. And is this something that if I come to you and I say, hey, all right, Chrissy, I need to clean up my diet. Is this something that you're going to help me out with? Like I'm going to, you're going to say, hey, you should be looking at this meat at the, uh, the grocery store rather than this meat. Absolutely. Yes. And gotcha. I don't do shoulds. So that's that's kind of a language of coaching styles. Oh. Right? If we start to say you should be doing this, well, the people who are rebels, which I am one of those, it's kind of like, yeah, I should be doing it, <laughs> but I'm not going to. So, uh-huh. so that's Lewis. where we have to motivate the client to want something different. So then you can say to me, well, I want to choose this, not this. Look at that. She's working on the other side right now. Catch that? What's that? I <laughs> missed that. Side it's oh, no yeah, 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 yeah. No I gotcha. should. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> it. I, I know there's a lot of stuff I should be doing. <laughs> I, I, that I yeah. want. That I want. Yeah. I want, Louis. I know. I, we got to change our language. That's, that's a big thing, yeah, isn't it? I want to. Yes, I want but is to. That that, is that that West Michigan nice? It's always like you don't want to come across like you have to do this. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, we, we got to change our language. Do we have that? Is it really a thing? West Michigan nice. I think it is. Yeah. I think that we try to be new, too nice over here, and now afraid to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. So now I'm going to be like, you should you should get out to run. Lewis, get off your ass and get out and run. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to change my language. Well, we can be nice on the outside, but what are we saying to ourselves? <laughs> Man, yeah, you're not being nice to yourself, are you? If you're if you're continuing to go down the road of this, you're you're, you're pouring all these bad things into your body. Because I, I don't always think that your diet is, I think that that's your, that's your one crotch is the, the cheeseburger once in a while. But you're uh, not well, a chips guy. You're not a sweets guy. We go out to dinner. You don't necessarily you know, get dessert this like the rest of us. True. However, it's processed Christi, food. Well, but here's the thing. I have cut alcohol out and that has completely changed. I want, there are, I want sweets and salts. Oh, now. wow. Because you're not getting it from alcohol. Yeah, that's got to be it. I have cut that out and it has completely changed my desire of things lately. Oh, wow. And I would add to that, say, yes, that you're, there's a sugar component to alcohol that your body may still be craving, but also you were getting a lot of calories or you were getting calories from the alcohol. So you need to replace those calories somehow in your diet and your no, brain. No, knows. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, your brain knows sugar is a great way to get it. So it's going to make you crave those simple refined sugar foods, which there's nothing wrong with eating those types of foods in moderation. As long as your body's well, if you have symptoms and things that you're dealing with, then that's an indication that we need to look at what you're consuming. What are you putting in your body? What are you not putting in your body? And what can we do to help um, improve some of those undesirable outcomes in states that you're living in. So from a, from a, uh, real life, like, okay, I, I want, I want to do this. And I come to you and I say, Hey, um, I want to go down this path of cleaning up my diet. What's that look like? Do you have us fill out like this questionnaire and you say, what are you eating, you know, throughout the week? And you're, we just give you, we just dump a bunch of data on you and you process it. Like, what's that look like? Yeah. So I have, it's a, it's a three part program um, and it, and it starts with an assessment. So in the assessment stage, we'll go through and, and figure out, yes, what, where is your knowledge? Where is your motivation? 
Um, where are your skill levels? What are you doing now? You know, what are your strengths when it comes to nutrition? What are your weaknesses? What, what do you have opportunity to improve? So we kind of go through this assessment phase where we understand exactly what's going on currently. And then we switch into an intensive. So that's a three months month intensive when we're really working on the change and that the exact recommendations from that can be even more improved with testing. So if you we went down the road of testing, then we'd be able to I'd be able to make a real customized supplement protocol um, and lifestyle changes based on the test results for your specific body. And then we move into optimization and stabilization. So it's kind of a process that we we go through. I had something. I thought you were going to say so. So, so it's a three part. uh, It's a it's a it's a three stage uh, program essentially. Yes, with a prequel assessment. Mm -hmm. And and for somebody like me, um, (laughs) who has very little knowledge, you're going to help me with a diet. You're going to say, "All right, you need X, Y, and Z today." and this is how you're going to get it, right? You're going to say you mm-hmm. need you need. I'm I'm really speaking honestly here because I I would have zero clue what to what to eat. Like I really would. Now my wife she does and she does really well, but um, I would honestly have no clue. Like if you gave me a diet and you said eat this, I wouldn't even know what to tell my wife. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be eating this. She might know, but. From a clueless person, you know, what's that look like? What are you giving that, me? That's, that's interesting, though, because I found that, like, you know, with a family, trying to cook for everybody, and then you're trying oh, yeah. to, to, to cook for everybody individual needs. Because when I was trying to lose weight years ago, I'd have to make my own meal and then something else for everybody else, it seems like. Yeah, that's true. There's a, diff- there's a dynamic there, yeah. But what does that look like? What are you giving me uh, to, to, to eat? So we'd start with where you are now. So we start with that assessment and what you're doing now. And then we're going to work on small changes. So the concept of my business is Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, which is a Japanese term that means continuous improvement. Okay. So we're not going to start on day one and go, Lewis, this is what you have to eat. This is what you need to eat. Gotcha. There is a picture of where we'll ultimately end up, that some concepts, some ideas, but we're going to start with where you are now and then just look at like breakfast. What are you eating for breakfast? How could we shift that? Could we add a piece of fruit? Which fruit do you like? And and so we would take the, that and make changes. And we could probably usually do about like one to three things a week that we'll focus on. And I meet with clients either every week for 30 minutes or every other week for 60 minutes in the beginning. Oh, Okay. So this isn't you throw something at us and you we check in with you in six months. <laughs> no. <laughs> gotcha. Well, there are many meal plans like that online, but yeah, honestly, yeah. people don't stick with it. That's the but, whole thing. It's like you can sign up for every diet under the sun, but it's it's not gonna that's not your diet. That's not the thing that works for you. And so when you work with me, we look at your unique situation. We do testing to figure out your unique needs. What are your desired outcomes? And then at the end of your time with me, you you feel comfortable and good with what you've set up um, in, in the amount of McDonald's in it versus, you know, versus whole foods, healthy foods. So you're not spending your life cooking in a way that you don't want to be cooking. 
Um, and so it has to fit for you with what you want and be a good, stable outcome that you can continue to do moving forward. And, and for, and there's two things here. Number one is just from a lifestyle standpoint, how you're eating, but also you, you're targeting, like, I want to run a hundred miles in six months. And you're going to set that up that you're, you're leading into that essentially. Right. That, that, that's what's appealing to me is to do, because <clears throat> obviously, I mean, I've been complaining about it for a while, but I have not been having a good time this year. Just different things, you know, like a, falling on the ice a couple of times did not help me. Back injury has not helped me, but I know my diet is playing in there. Like I, because I was, I, I mean, I was 300, I was over 300 pounds when I first started getting into running and stuff like that. And I, and I just did the simple plan and just did read calories, you know, actually Weight Watchers. And I lost a hundred pounds, you know, through that. And that's what got me started to running. I don't watch what I eat as much because I run so many miles. So I I, I watch it, I watch it, you know, considerably and I still look at calories, but um, I know I could do better. And I know my performance would be better if I just changed what I eat on a regular basis. And it has nothing to do with what I Race day, I've run a marathon completely fasted without any calories before. So I know I can do that. It's not, that's not what, what's getting me. It's what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Eating leading into it, but also yeah. you're, uh, Chrissy, you would be helping Mitch on race day as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. Saying, so, all right, for, for the first five miles, you, you need to take in this. And then a mile 10, you need to take in this. Is that, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and during the process of training for that race, we would experiment with different foods. A lot of athletes have GI issues when they're doing racing. That's Me. a big thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so and there's, there's, a, there's many things to do in ter- when, when an athlete has, is having GI distress. Um, and we can start from that, that general nutrition side of looking at the gut. But then also we do need to look at race day nutrition. What type of sugars are you taking in? Um, how much fiber do you have in your system when you go out and you run? Mm. So the, like there, that. there is something I, I just want to add here because I'm afraid people can can hear this and and uh, they feel like they can get some kind of guaranteed results. Let's take me for example. There's no guarantee. I mean, there's a likelihood that yes, you're going to improve, right? But there's no guarantee that my diet can change and I'm going to shave off, let's say, in a hundred miler four hours, right? I mean, that, there's no guarantee there. You're you're probably going to feel much better and you're probably going to run throughout the race with a more consistent nutrition and like better feeling, but, th- but there's no guaranteed results of like, yeah, you're going to shave one minute off per mile, right? I mean, okay. there's more to it than that, yes. right? I, I just, I guess I want to put yeah, that you, little asterisk You still have to there. actually train. You, you got to train. Have, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, I guess that what I'm getting to is like the diet's going to help you feel better throughout more than likely. And there's a very good likelihood that you're going to improve your performance, but, but there's just no, there's no guarantee. Right. I, I look at these things though. If I could, if I could get my stomach straight, I could actually do the harder workouts instead of sloughing yeah. off because my stomach is bothering me. You know, because I did something dumb the day before. Well, and that's the whole lifestyle change, right? Like, well, I didn't feel like getting up this morning. Well, did you eat like crap for the last five days? I mean, your body 
is probably trying to fight through all this stuff, right? I know for me, it's like yeah. cutting and, out alcohol and just drinking water. I all of a sudden want to get up in the morning and it's like, wow, amazing. Lewis, and are you super deficient in B vitamins or CoQ10? Like what's going on? Alcohol depletes magnesium. Um, it inhibits the absorption of B vitamins. So likely you were incredibly B deficient if you weren't taking a high dose B and drinking a lot. You know, I, I read that somewhere recently. I don't remember where it was, but uh, they it was, I, I don't remember, but, but I do remember reading that like you're, because in the, I don't want to say the ultra world, but like in running in general, a lot of times it's like, all right, we, we run and then we go drink at the the pub or whatever afterwards. And the, this, this, whatever I read was like, that's killing your running performance. Like if, especially mm. if it becomes habit and you're, you're drinking too much. I, I had read that somewhere, like you're really deficient probably. And I must've been uh, vitamin B you said. Um, and if you just, what well, I'm sorry, say it again. And magnesium and is magnesium. a big one too. Yep. So that, and it's yeah. also inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And so that's killing your running performance, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't, which then in turn, it's it's such a cycle too, because then, oh, I didn't run well, which makes you kind of feel like, well, what am I doing? And then you don't want to do it because you're struggling through it. And it, it's just this constant, like, cycle of, uh, you're not feeling good about it, so you don't want to do it. Right. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. We can jump back to the the outcomes. I was just thinking about something too, with yeah. your gu- not guaranteed out results or getting faster. I've had many clients come to me um, that are already eating fairly well, and they're just looking to lose like the last five to 10 pounds, right? Because there's this idea of, if I lose those five pounds, I will be faster. So so I'll come alongside them. Okay, this is what we're working towards is losing that last five to 10 pounds. And we'll figure out where's that little bit of excess? What can we tweak? Are they carb loading when they don't need to be carb loading? Can we do carbohydrate periodization to help the body burn more fat um, in the in-between time or fasted workouts? We lose the five pounds and then they realize I'm not any faster. And so that then allows that person individual to know I don't need to struggle to try to lose that last five pounds. It doesn't actually make a difference for my performance. Gotcha. I can just allow myself to have those five pounds and and not have to do all of that intense work all the time to maintain that weight loss because mm. it actually doesn't make me any faster to have lost it. That's a good point. That's interesting. That's the whole happy with where you're at piece too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. I, I, I want to jump into... A little more race day type stuff, as Mitch Mitch brought up. Uh, I had, uh, um, and I'm sure this is different across the board. But when you look at a race plan, um, what what allows, like for me, for instance, running a particular one particular 100 on nothing but basically watermelon and and, and tailwind, uh, what allowed? And I know that's a really tough question, but just throwing this at you, but what allowed me to be able to do that in that, that instance, but not at the next one? Yeah. Cause now you can even stomach tailwind. So something yeah. happened. Okay. So, so if I got to your question, you're asking how come you were able to do watermelon and tailwind at one race and you can't at the next race and, and have the same performance. 
So you, what happens in the follow-on race? So for me, so I'll give you an instant, uh, for instance, like almost every 100 miler from 30 miles to 50 miles, I, I, I have a gut issue, like a nausea type gut issue. Almost, I, it's like timing. Now it, it's actually in my head. I know leading into about 30 to 35 miles, I might as well get ready for it. Like I'm going to have nausea. I'm going to have... Uh, I want to throw up that that type of a feeling for about twenty miles, <laughs> and then it kind of miraculously and goes then away. it kind of goes away. Wow, interesting. So, in the case of the 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 event that I did, the one the one hundred miler that it was just watermelon and tailwind, I didn't have that. Like, I just didn't have that. But and is, you're, you're attributing the follow on issues that you've been having to the fact that it's that's that if only you could do the tailwind watermelon thing again you don't know it's more so i'm just trying to figure out and and this isn't i'm not trying to figure that out i'm just kind of tossing out a general question to say when you when you hear of somebody doing that what does that make you think and like when you hear of somebody doing that are you are you sitting there saying Wow, if if that's what you did, you you could be doing way better because you're lacking this, you're lacking that. You should have a diet that includes this and you know because let's face it too, I didn't change anything leading into that race either. Like my diet was awful. <laughs> I say awful and don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm sitting there eating and I hate to throw McDonald's under the bus cuz I, I I don't I mean they're no worse than any other fast food, right? But I didn't have a great diet leading into that. I did that race. It worked out. Obviously, in your experience, you've seen that happen. It just mm-hmm. sometimes the body allows us, allows us to do that, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. But when you hear that, what are you thinking? So I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with the watermelon tailwind situation um, in terms of as long as it's providing yourself the glucose that you need. There's a little bit of protein to sustain your muscles. I'm not sure the exact makeup of tailwind right at this moment. Um, but, and, and it's about being able to digest it and process it and not feel sick and not get sick. So if it worked in that race and in that event, there was nothing, I don't, I don't hear that and then cringe and go, Oh my goodness, you didn't have this other thing. How did you even do that? It tells me that that worked really well. It gave you the calories that you needed and it didn't upset your system. Now, why does it do that now? If you do it again, is an interesting, perplexing question, right? If if it was, if your body now knows what a hundred miler is and you reach that 30-ish mark and your body says, okay, we're doing that thing again and it tries to rebel against it, could it be something going on like that? Um, could your, could it be some microbiome things? Could we work on some sort of, you know, GI function overall? And maybe it just didn't come out in that first hundred miler, but it's coming out now. Um, could it be that you are having too much high fiber foods in the 72 hours before the race? And if we worked on some of your pre-race nutrition, you would have less bulk in your system. Um, so that when you reach mile 30 and you're, adrenal system, right? Your fight or flight goes up your rest and digest system. That one's shut down. So if, if you have a bunch of, um, food, residual food in your, in your system, your body wants to evacuate it because 
you're it's it's going, oh my goodness, the the lions are coming. We got to get out of here because you're running like that, right? You're you're doing there's obviously something seriously going on in the world in terms of your your brain. And so your brain wants to flush all that food out of your body. So if we did a really low residue diet for 72 hours leading into that next event, what would happen at mile 30? That's where I would go with you. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Like just that breakdown of like how you look at those things. And a lot of that is it's eye opening. And that would be interesting to see like what that would do for you. Just the, just simply the week leading up, like what you're actually eating the week leading up and how important it is. Like we always have heard you got to eat a bunch of pasta that week and that's not necessarily true either. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and probably big differences between, as I'm sure we know, like a 5K, a marathon, and a 50 mile or a 100 mile. There are big differences in your diet in every single one of those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Well, this has been super interesting for me. Christy, like, uh, I think you mentioned you're in this transitional phase of your business right now, but how do, how does somebody get a hold of you if they if they're hearing this and they're like, yeah, you know what? I, I want to learn more about this. How do they get a hold of you? So my business is Kaizen Life Nutrition. It's K-A-I-Z-E-N lifenutrition.com. And if you go to the website, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, currently it redirects to Christy Lee Nutrition, which is my my old brand. So if you start, if you they see that on the website, it's still me. Go ahead and submit. You can submit a request um, and schedule a 15-minute consult to talk through what it is that you're looking for. Um, we can see if it's a good fit and and see if you like my process and system and it's something that will, will work for us. So that's the best way to get a hold of me is go to the website and then go to the you know, book a free consultation. And, and go ahead and book it. You can do it today. You can just go in and get it scheduled out for the future. So Christy, what are some things that maybe we're missing in this that, that just from your experience in dealing with people uh, that have come to you and asked for help, is there any, are there any big things that we're just like missing covering or something that you wanted to talk about in what you do in a process or uh, just with your business or anything like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is that there's a lot of information out there on nutrition and it can be really confusing. And that's why it's helpful to work with someone like me. So I spend my time researching and, and analyzing it and can see through some of the marketing and 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 all because there's a lot of marketing around diet, weight loss, nutrition. There's there's definitely it's a big money thing without guaranteed results. And so and everybody's needs are unique. It's a very bio-individual thing. And and that's kind of a buzzword, but it's a really important word. And because you're what is going to work for you for Mitch is going to be different than what's going to work for Lewis. And it's going to be different than what works for me. So it's it's a real problem solving sort of thing. My background is actually in computer science and math. So I'm I love analyzing things and solving problems. And each human body is a unique problem to be solved. So it really helps to work with someone uh, with a certified nutritionist um, or dietitian to to figure out exactly what your unique needs are and what's going to work for you. That's one of the things that made me think about something else, too. So for my wife, she cannot have avocado or spinach or raw spinach. Those things completely rip up her gut every time. So she has avocado. 
he's not in a good way that night already. Same thing huh. with, with raw spinach. So if we go out to eat, that's why she always asks if there's spinach in the salad because you can't have it. But it is different. And I was curious about that with the testing. Does that, you know, like when you submit for testing, does that look for things that you might be allergic to or... Yeah, I have a few tests that that do that. So there's um, IgG testing, which is a blood test, and it measures your immune response to certain foods. Then there's also um, an MRT test. They're, they're both blood tests. An MRT test is a mediator um, release or response test. And what that is testing is for any sort of inflammatory compounds at all that get released in your body when you eat certain foods. So those are those are two of the options there to look for food, uh, and then and then could that just be something that like because you're 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 eating something else, it's not allowing you to eat this, or because it all is tied together, right? Or it could be. So there's legitimate allergies, like in your yeah. in your case, it sounds like it is a food allergy. That's not something that we can really do anything about. Um, in other cases, it can be a gut issue. So if you have leaky gut and your gut integrity is compromised, we can restore the gut integrity and re it's, um, and re-inoculate with good bacteria and work on the gut health so that you're better able to tolerate certain foods. So in my case with the, the Crohn's disease and having to eliminate gluten, I've, I've eliminated it completely for a long period of time and then worked on gut health, restored all of that, changed my diet. Now I can have gluten every now and then, and it doesn't cause me the same issues that it used to cause me. That's what I was wondering. You could almost and yeah, like you said, certain people, it's just, that's an allergy. Like there's nothing you can do about it, but some might be able to fix some things by reintroducing healthy things that we need in our system. I find that interesting too, because this this is a weird question or silly question. What happens when you go and you get a colonoscopy? You know, you're almost at that age, Lewis, next year. <laughs> Getting there. Um, and you basically, you clean out your system for the, that whole test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I, I just, I got to have one this year again. This is always a good time. And, um, it seems like it takes a little bit for your stomach to get back on track again after that, because you clean everything out of there. So yes, is is that something like to pay attention to after this procedure is done that you need to be? Absolutely. You need to restore the, your gut health. You need to restore the bacteria because the bacteria gets starved off without food. If you've heard of probiotics yeah. and prebiotics. So a prebiotic is the food that the bacteria eats on. And that's things like onion, garlic, um, artichoke. There's, there's different foods that have certain types of fibers in them that are prebiotic fiber that bacteria lives on. Hmm. So we need after, after something like the colonoscopy where we wiped stuff out, we do need to restore the the gut health. And they don't talk about that as any part of that procedure at all. Because no. I know, I know I felt it was weird afterwards. I know my stomach yep. was still messed up. Yeah. Wow. So I need to tell my wife she actually has to eat the onions then. Yeah. Good for yeah. It's, it, it is funny though, like you'd mentioned earlier about the taste buds changing. Mine, mine have definitely changed like everybody's, but it's funny, like the onion thing, that's something that, Tammy and I both have always uh, used to not like, but since, I don't know, the last couple of years, onions, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I like them. Put them on, <laughs> put them on the burger. <laughs> I don't mind them now. 
Uh, well, I, I really appreciate you uh, putting up with our lack of knowledge, and I uh, hope we didn't bore you too much with like how much we didn't know. Silly, uh, but silly it's, questions. Yeah, silly questions. But it is super exciting to me, and it's it's also really encouraging to me to think of like, all right, man, maybe I have a lot of potential just if I just change my diet a little bit because it is frustrating uh, the hunter miler, especially when you, when you know, I'm like, man, I am going to not have a good race because of this. It, it makes me wonder, we'll, we'll do some of this offline too, though, but how long are your programs usually? Cause Lewis is probably, it'd be interesting to see what it would do as you're ramping up to do another hundred miler next year of if you worked with a nutritionist yeah. on your, you know, like what, if if your training would go any differently, you know, especially like you've cut out alcohol lately and just work on some other stuff, what, what would it look like? You know, like me, maybe training would be more fun or yeah. maybe, you know, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's. Yeah. I know the last couple of years, my running has been affected by diet. hundred percent. Mine too. No, no question. So it is, it is, it is exciting to think of like, all right, if I did this, man, what would it do for race day? Mm-hmm. And the shortest program I have is, is, uh, three months. Cause it really takes about three months to solidify any sort of new habits. Gotcha. Habits from a wanting and desire standpoint, or just habits in our body and our system. So good, good question. And that's, that's for the motivated person that really wants, already wants to make the change and is primed for it. They're going to be, you know, successful after 12 weeks, after three months, there really isn't much more to talk about or much more to work on. They've got it down. Somebody who's still struggling in the motivation area um, and, and, and more lacking in the skills in order to do the things we're going to have to work longer in order to get you there. Gotcha. Well, this has been very, you know, it's funny because it's, it's interesting to me. It's, it's uh, eye opening to me and it, it's, uh, gives me motivation to want to change things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I know there's a, there's a ton more that I could, I could, I could just continue to ask and ask and ask because my I, knowledge is so low in this area. I find it fascinating because you're already making life changes, right? So it's, it would be interesting for you to, and maybe you're not ready for it yet, you know, based on, cause you're working on one thing, right? Oh now. no, I'm totally ready for it. So it'd be interesting to see as you get into ultra training and stuff like that, if you worked on your diet at the same time, I mean, for myself as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is something that, I mean, just leading into, well, actually, you know, I thought about this I because I looked up, I mean, we got your information a while ago, probably four months ago. And just due to schedules and things like that, that Mitch and I had and trying to line up people, it just didn't happen till now. But I remember looking you up then and uh, I thought, man, this, this could be this could be pretty cool to, to check into. And then I, and then it, it fell off the radar because life happens. And then I knew leading into this, I thought, man, this could be, 
it, it, it did definitely spark an interest in change and want wanting to just have a better race because man, yeah, leading into every 100 miler, it's like, uh, 30 to 50 is going to suck. I and not think... from a running standpoint. That's the thing that stinks is it's like, I never, uh, in, in, in the hundreds that I've done, it's not from a body muscle breakdown or anything like that, that things hurt. And that's the frustrating thing. For me, it's training. Like yesterday, obviously, it was Thanksgiving. All of us ate horribly. And I knew getting up today, it's like I didn't eat very well yesterday. Uh, and then what we got five of us running together, and like I don't even know how this is going to go. And we all went slow because we all treated our bodies badly yesterday. Yeah. So do you have any uh, – and I'm kidding, but – well, do you have tips for those Thanksgiving bad eaters <laughs> or is it just indulge every once in a while? It's fine. Uh, cause you're not going to tell me I can't have a cheeseburger, right? Correct. Yes. And indulge, enjoy your Thanksgiving, be mindful in the process. Maybe don't have two pieces of pie, but if you really want two pieces of pie, have the two pieces of pie, just be aware that yeah, you're not going to feel good the next day and, and go for walks, eat more vegetables, eat more high fiber foods the next day, maybe skip the sugary things the next for the next day, kind of give yourself a little bit of room to recover from the overindulgence. Sorry, our dogs are literally fighting. They're running crazy right now around this table. I'm afraid they're going to smack the computer and drop it off. <laughs> That's cool. That's good. It is good to know because I know one of the things I fear leading into anything like this, like it's because it's a major change, especially for me. Uh, it'd be like a minor change for maybe Mitch or my wife, who we eat way better. Uh, but it's it's that. It's like. Oh, great. She's going to tell me I can never have a cheeseburger. She's going to tell me I can never do this or never do that. What I what I found for me, so I, I typically intermittent fast, and I found that that works for me just because I feel better. Maybe a lot of it is probably because of the wrong, the wrong foods is... If in I the eat, in in your intermittent fasting, you mean? Like during the day, like I'm eating something that's messing with my stomach. I feel like there's there's always something that I have that later on in the day, I'm like, I just don't feel good, and I'd rather just delay that and you know, not have it until later, and then then it doesn't bother me while I'm trying to work. But um, I I have found that. You know, like I, I run fasted. Like I haven't had anything to eat at all yet today. I, and that's the thing. When we when we talked about talking to you, Christy, I was like, I would love to have you do this as well and see what she has to say for you for racing. Because you don't do a lot of nutrition during no, a race. No, like, like I've, I've run a full marathon without any calories at all. But that's typically what you do now. Yeah, most of the time. Like I do long runs. I I run twenty miles all the time without running without any calories. And that seems just, crazy. Just to water. Me. That seems crazy to me. But I've enough- got a lot, I got a lot of fat that I can burn. <laughs> and so it depends on how fast you're running too. If you're in more of a fat burning zone, then we. I mean, even the the thinnest uh, prof- professional athlete has plenty of calories in stored fat, and you have enough glucose or uh, glycogen stores that you're burning your glycogen. So you're just, you're basically taking your body from hundred percent full and you're taking it all the way down to 10% probably in terms of your, your available energy system. So it's not, it's not unheard of. I'm curious if 
you would feel better or the run wouldn't feel as hard with a little bit of added glucose, but I, I, I am curious on that because I, in 2019, I always go back to that, like uncle Rico, I had a really good year. I ran my first ever hundred miler. I had a um, really good hundred K that year, just killed that hundred K. Yeah. Did five marathons and three weekends. And I ran the fastest marathon I'd run in seven or eight years fully fasted. I didn't take any calories on in that, that race. I had a phenomenal race. And, but the, you know, since then this year I am struggling. Like I know, I know a lot of it is nutrition. And these are all things that, that, uh, somebody coming to you could throw at you and you could digest, so to speak, and, and really give some valid, just, uh, information back to, to somebody to help them. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Well, go ahead. One of the fun tests that I do is um, a urine organic acid test. And it's something where you, you get the test kit, you do it on your own, you, you mail it back away to the testing center, and then I get the results and we'll go through it. But in this, this test, it's great for uh, performance nutrition because we can see how your body is breaking down fats, carbs, and proteins. We can see um, ah. there's an additional aspect to the test where we can see what's your inflammatory state in the body, oh. what's your oxidative stress level. But we're able to look at you know the breakdowns of the things that you're eating and how does your body process it? Because in order for that food to get processed correctly and optimally, you need lots of different micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. You need CoQ10 for ultimate energy production. And it, it, those micronutrients get depleted over time. And so we each end up in deficits in different areas and we're able to see that and, and then replete those things. And also that's, that motivates change. Cause if you're completely deficient and I'll pick on like magnesium, for example, if you're completely deficient in magnesium, well then yeah, you need to be eating more nuts and seeds and you can then go, wow, okay. I can literally see this on paper. And then we can make that change for three months, six months retest. And then you can see the effect of it and go, wow, there, there is a difference. And hopefully you're feeling a difference and you're experiencing a difference because we don't want to just treat the labs, right? Ultimately you want to feel better. You want to perform better. Mm-hmm. So we want there to be um, a, a noticeable effect more so than just in, in your labs. Um, but usually they do, they do go hand in hand. Yeah. That makes sense. And what limited knowledge I have, <laughs> but, I, but I do I follow a lot of words in there. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. It does make sense because I, it, it does. Yeah. I, I, I get it. And I, I know next to nothing about, uh, nutrition, but you're what I should learn be doing. More. Boy, I, I, I would like to, it would be a fun test to do and, and, uh, see what would happen. Uh, well, well, I do everything virtually. Um, so there's no like requirement to be located here. Uh, test kits get mailed out. Our, our sessions are virtual. I have videos. So some of the educational component, I have pre-recorded videos where I give you food examples and whatnot and talk about different concepts there's handouts. There's all sorts of information. It's all done virtually. That's cool. I was I was wondering because you you mentioned like the blood test a few times. Like, is that something I have to go somewhere and do, or is it a prick the finger type of thing, or what? Depends on the test, and and not every state. I'm not able to order them in every state. So, like New York is a state that I can't 
order testing and they won't they won't ship there um, for certain companies. But yeah, some of the tests are finger prick. Some of them you have to go to a lab, which I'll work with my clients to help them find a lab that they can go to to have their blood work done. But you bring oh, gotcha. the kid in, they, they have the tubes then and then they fill the tubes and they ship it off. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Well, is there anything else that we, uh, I mean, there's, I know there's a ton we could cover, but uh, is there anything that we have not uh, mentioned that you would like to mention or Mitch, is there anything you have? No, I think that I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Super. Well, hey, thank you so much uh, for doing this. And as we process this and move forward, I, I would be, I would be interested to see just like let's say I jump into something like this or w- even with Chrissy or whatever and do a follow-up uh, on Ooh, base, yes, baseline, baseline's this and three months or six months down the road leading into a race or something like that. Hey, this is where we're at now. Right. And yeah. real tangible like results of like, all right, I, I feel like this right now. Three months in, I feel like this now and my training runs or races are doing this now and then whatever down further down the road, it's like this. For me, the the result, the selfishness is because I run for fun a lot of times, is when I get up in the morning and I feel good enough because my stomach is strong that I can do a hard workout, that I'm not sitting there whining about my stomach, that I can actually put in the work. I think that would be the big thing for me. And I'd, I'd love to help you guys with those things. So anytime. That'd Go to my cool. website. Kaizenlifenutrition.com. <laughs> well, we will, I, I know I will definitely be checking it out. And I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, hey, thank you again so much. And uh, I hope that there is a follow-up to this and where we can be a little more knowledgeable and, and uh, not so clueless as to the subject. And I'm glad you put up with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Absolutely. It was fun. Thanks. Well, that, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad she joined us. Um, I know for me, I... I learned a lot, and I'm looking forward to learning a lot more. I need to still learn a lot. I, so do uh, I. <laughs> it, it, it's like it. It seems like it's a little bit like it's all. It's she really put out, explained well. Right? Yeah, explained well, and explained um, as she even referenced uh, from a very high level, like just right. uh, you know looking over the whole thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning more, and uh, I know I'm going to be digging into it. Um, but on that note, if anybody listening uh, heard any of that and went, you know, I-, I wonder about this or I wonder about that, uh, send us a question. Send Either message us, email us, do whatever. Send us a message. Uh, Christy has said she is more than happy to answer those uh join us again talk about something that pops up a lot uh so shoot us a message either on facebook or gmail uh, anything that pops up she is happy to join us again and answer any of those questions uh but with that uh, do you have any final thoughts no i'm super Uh, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the I Don't Know Running Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time where we share more about what we just don't know. Till then, happy running.